The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So we teased this last week. Finally here, a, a day late, but we are getting it to you. Our NBA coaches rankings. And John, are you just like incredibly excited for this and to receive uh, all the feedback that's going to come from this episode? <laughs> I'm sure we're going to piss off somebody. <laughs> well, and on that note, I think it is worth saying here that obviously there are 30 coaches there are some that we're going to rank at the bottom of the league but compared to even you know five years ago certainly 10 years ago my note is there are i don't think there are really any where you're just like oh man this guy's a just a straight up bad coach right i i feel confident that this guy is doing a bad job and like he really needs to be replaced immediately there used to be a lot of coaches like that i don't feel that way any longer I, there's not really I agree with you when I was listing them out I was surprised uh because I was trying to figure out who to list at the bottom and I couldn't really come up with someone who was like definitely deserving of that whereas you know I think in other years you know there's been sort of these like Isaiah Thomas level punching bags where it was easy to pick out who who belonged at the very bottom and I think it's a lot harder now so it, this is a, a story that might amuse you. I don't know if I ever told you this. Danny and I last did this about two years ago. That's the only other mm-hmm. time I've ever tried this endeavor. And as we were recording it, the news came out that Jason Kidd had been fired. <laughs> well, somebody agreed with your uh, choice at the bottom then, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and uh, by the way, we did have him, him right 30th uh, at the time. So let's talk here. We started hitting on this a little bit last week, but how the hell do you evaluate a coach? I think one of the most difficult things is that the most important thing is the thing that's hard to see, which is, well, do the guys play for him? Uh, that, that is the thing that is harder to, uh, see in real time, I think sometimes than, than some of the other criteria that are more obvious about substitutions or, uh, lineup choices or, or things like that. But that, that is the thing that, that matters most to me. Um, and you can usually see that more at the defensive end. Yeah, uh, but not always. But gen- that's generally the trend. Yeah, it's hard for me to say a coach is a bad coach if his team defends, unless you're. I mean, we talked about this with the Wizards last week, where it's like, okay, yeah, you can have a bad, a, a really good offense if you're willing to punt on defense. Similarly, you can have a really good defense if you're willing to punt on offense. But you know, the way the league is going, that's not necessarily the case anymore. But there, there used to be coaches who would do that. You know, ten, twenty years ago, where you're just, you know, you're playing Michael Curry or Trenton Hassel or <laughs> you know. Yeah, the, the, back for we're getting back to the glory days of the NBA here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, with with this discussion, 
I, you know, it, it's interesting. You said, uh, do the guys play for him? And yeah, that's probably the most important thing. That's like the sine qua non of being a coach. But that also, uh, I think that, you know, that's kind of like, it's not necessarily replacement level because he's definitely seen coaches that guys just won't play for. But it's also like, oh, his guys play hard for him. And I think that's something where you can get lost in it a little bit that that could get overvalued when you're talking about all right we really need to of course it's going to win at the highest levels and another thing we can add to is hey there's different types of coaches that are good for different types of teams and we'll try to get into that we talk about that all the time it's not just ah good coach bad coach it's hey you know these these guys have different strengths and weaknesses and some of them are appropriate for certain teams and some of them are appropriate for others i think yeah uh, that's an important point nate because so many people get caught up in just trying to put coaches in one box to the other there's the box of good coaches and the box of bad coaches right and that's not how it is in real life at all uh there's you know 20 different disparate things that are not necessarily correlated with each other that that coaches have to do um and we're only probably going to be able to get into a subset of those even today and uh you know some are some are strong in some areas and some are weak in some areas and i don't think anybody even the best are an a plus in every single category across the board it's just not set up that it's it's like players right even the best yeah. players have certain strengths and weaknesses it's interesting you make the comparison to players one other thing i want to talk about before we really go through some of the specific categories here is why do you think and maybe you disagree with me on this but I, i've noticed this that somehow to say that like a coach got out coached it's like more fraught to say that it's like considered so much more of an accusation than if you just say hey a player got outplayed have you noticed that oh absolutely yeah yeah because it's it's considered more of a permanent state than a one-off event yeah for some reason like you say coach got out coached, and you're saying coach x is dumber than coach y is was what people hear <laughs> right when, yeah. when that may not necessarily be the case but just got you know outmaneuvered in this one instant yeah no i i, I think that's true that, that's a great way of looking at it because it's like and players it's also like hey you know what it's no shame to lose to lebron james right like these coaches where you're looking at it's like hey you know like they're just some guy wearing a suit right like this guy could be better than this guy right like there's no you don't have this track record of okay lebron james was the number one overall pick and this guy's out of the g league and yeah no shit lebron james was did better than this guy in this game and he couldn't stop him but yeah when it's a coach you're kind of it's so much harder to measure that making that sort of an extreme statement i think you know people really get upset about that yeah i want to write an article about a coach overachieving his talent yeah like his own personal talent his own like, personal not, talent like not, he's really not, not talent that talented a coach but he just he worked really hard and he grinded at it <laughs> yeah uh, i mean maybe scott brooks falls in that category uh <laughs> that's kind of what he was a, as a player right so okay uh let's see i think we hit all the caveats uh that i wanted to here so let's just break into some of the things that we're really going to be evaluating these coaches on uh, break it down a little more specifically here yeah um you know i talked a little about whether the team plays for him but i i think uh you know do the do the lineups and the and the players he chooses make sense um what is what are the systems like on offense and defense uh do players develop un- under his watch um and uh then you get into uh the adjustments in late game and playoffs especially at the top i think this is more of an issue right yeah. the, the guys at the bottom t- tend to not coach a lot of playoff games but um you know what 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 do you do at the end of games or in a playoff series to improve your your team's chances of winning yeah a big one that i'll look at is 
do the lineups and the player usage make sense right are you does it make more sense to have stagger your stars or have them together right like steve nash and amari stoudemire probably makes sense to have those guys out there right they're additive players and you just survive with the bench unit are you putting lineups out there given the available personnel that just don't have shooting don't have a theory of how you're going to possibly score in a bench unit uh just no chance of stopping anybody whatsoever even you know and obviously this depends on the available talent but if you're and it's and it's magnified again in the playoffs but i want to see lineups out there where i'm like okay i get what the theory of this is right this in theory has a way to succeed offensively in theory has a way to succeed defensively um I think just overall being able to cater to your personnel. I think that's a big part too. Versatility. You know, what I mean, I, and there are a lot of coaches I think who have had success, and it's tough. You know, you only see them on one team. The personnel doesn't change that much. But when you can succeed in a variety of styles with a variety of personnel, you know that that means a lot to me too. Uh, when you're thinking about a guy potentially being in different situations down the line. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Yeah, I mean, just the overall like locker room harmony. Just overall, how are you representing the? Or- organization i mean in a lot of ways the coach is the most public face of the organization that is part of things and uh you know if you want free agents to go there for example you gotta not look like a clown in mm-hmm. front of the media um that's that's important anything else do we miss anything I think we, uh, we uh anything getting right. along with the front office yes uh, why is that important uh <laughs> I, I, I mean, obviously, you want you want everybody uh, in your organization to be on the same page as far as how players are going to get used and what the what the priorities are, and and uh, and I think like on player development, I think it's a really important thing. Um, but just in in general roster usage, you know, you're assembling ingredient ingredients as a front office for a meal that the coach is going to prepare, basically. So you'd like to have some clarity of of thought from top to bottom about what the meal is supposed to look like. Yeah. And to add to that point, working with the medical staff, not, you know, playing guys 42 minutes on a back to back when they have a sore knee, uh, that's that type of stuff. And, and, you know, allowing young players to develop, not a myopic focus on winning the next game, that kind of stuff, I think is, uh, all really important so before we get started here i want to tell you about the company that john works for which is the athletic john why did you join the athletic i I know you wrote a a piece about it but for people here why why do you like working there so much well i think it's i think it's a great place to really uh explore different stories and and different angles and and there's a lot of freedom to uh to kind of not just go after the next click or the next uh um, the next sort of Captain Obvious hot take and, and kind of push, dig deeper and, and kind of, you know, put, push the envelope a little and spend more time and, re- and really, and really create something that people want to read. And, uh, I think the results that we've had so far indicate that that is work. Yeah. Because it's a subscription model, you don't have to write a two paragraph newser about somebody injuring their hamstring. Like you can see that on Twitter. Like that's not value add. I mean, I, I'm impressed with just their commitment with you. Like they're fine. You are all over the country to do all this scouting. Like, I mean, it really, uh, you're almost just doing the same thing that you were doing when you were working for the Grizzlies, but now the athletic is paying for you to, to, help uh, inform your work and obviously uh if you want to read john's stuff that's the, the number one reason to go to the athletic but they've got a ton of other great stuff there for the nba they got shamshrania david aldridge 
Sam Amick, uh, my buddy Ethan Strauss here in the Bay, Frank Isola, a essential voice here uh, with some of these Knicks changes. I uh, always mm-hmm. love to hear from him. Um, and then they got great coverage, NCAA basketball, football. Uh, they really just uh, got everything. If you want to get started with them, theathletic.com slash PER. Easy to remember, PER, because John uh, invented it. Uh, that is uh, enough to get you 40% off a yearly subscription to The Athletic. Once again, theathletic.com slash PER, and you can read John's work once you sign up with that slash PER link. I am someone who is always trying to learn more about the world around me, whether it's basketball, travel, writing, food, and that's why I like Masterclass so much, and the people around me like it as well. Masterclass is letting you learn from the best. They get exclusive access to online classes taught by masters of their craft. My wife has taken a number of their writing classes, including one by Margaret Atwood that she thought was amazing. Serena Williams does tennis, Steph Curry shooting and ball handling. And the quality of these classes is really outstanding. It's really like cinema quality classwork. And you can go as deeply into them as you want to. You can just watch the lessons or you can do all of the coursework as well. Really get into it. Really try and get better at your field. They're adding new classes all the time. Recent ones, Gabriela Camara, Mexican cooking, Chris Voss, the art of negotiation, Bobby Braun on makeup and beauty, David Sedaris, humor and personal essays, Neil deGrasse Tyson, scientific thinking and communication. They just have absolute luminaries in their fields. So check this out. Get an unlimited all access pass to every masterclass for 15% off at masterclass.com slash PER. That's masterclass.com slash PER. You remember slash PER because John Hollinger invented PER. Once again, you get unlimited access to every masterclass and 15% off on their annual all access pass at masterclass.com slash PER. All right, so we'll do this the same way as we did with organizations and we'll do some tiers. Start us off here. Who's uh, are we, your number are we, one Are coach? we starting on the at the top or the bottom here? No, we got to start at the top, right? All right. Okay. We're positive people. Uh-huh. And, and we want people to listen to the end to see who is <laughs> lowest, right? Now we get to the real story. Um, so I had six guys in my top tier. Very interesting. Uh, who you got? Uh, I had... Well, well and clearly, real quick, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Uh, basically, the idea of the tier is you can make an argument for any one of the guys in this tier being above the other, right? Like, that's... Yeah. Uh, so these guys are all pretty close right if you're if you're in a lower or higher tier then it's like okay i don't really see an argument for this guy being above this guy yep um so uh so of these six guys five have won championships uh which i felt pretty good about um so uh nick nurse the reigning nba champion uh greg popovich uh doc rivers eric spolstra rick carlisle and then the one i had in there who has not yet won a championship is brad stevens so yeah, that I, I had Nurse as my number one. Is he your number one? I had I had I I wrestled with it, um, but I I felt like he probably deserved it. As I think about it, there's been a lot of development there. He's he's really good on the fly. He's really good with adjustments in games and in series. Um, the the weakness for Patrick McCaw is a little concerning, but that's really the only <laughs> negative I could come up with. Um, so yeah, I, I had, I was wrestled between him and pop and I, and I went with nurse. I had nurse number one and I even had him in his own tier 
uh, above wow. as number one. And I don't, uh, like you said, I don't see what his weakness is, right? I, he, his, I think his creativity is beyond the level that anyone else has been. I mean, he's proven it in the playoffs. Granted, it, it was only one year, but they've, with all the injuries we've had, we've seen him succeed in a variety of ways and a variety of systems with a variety of personnel. They had the whole Kawhi Leonard isn't playing back to back saga last year. They mm. had midseason trades. They've had, you know, Kyle Lowry and Marcus Sola are good vets who play hard, but also they've clashed with coaches previously. You don't hear a peep of any kind of dissension out of there anymore. Um, and then just the, the incredible creativity that he showed, uh, you know, if he doesn't go to a box and one on Steph Curry, and he only does it, by the way, when Clay Thompson is off the floor, right? Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, he, there's, uh, and now he has this veteran team and you're like okay you know he had all these vets like they're kind of coaching the team themselves well okay uh, is uh terrence davis uh, is he coaching the team himself this year right like yeah. og ananobi like they are chris boucher i mean they haven't missed a beat when and he does stuff like okay we're down we go, we're gonna go with a press to get back in games they've won a couple of games like that this year i mean i really i'm sure it's gonna chafe a lot of people like how could nick nurse be number one in his own tier but all the rest of these guys i got question marks about i don't have a single question about him right now the other o- than o- maybe just the samples the only quick yeah time that's the only that's the only thing to hold against him right yeah yeah and you know but he has i mean he's older he has been a head coach at many other levels and had and success he's, in other yeah places. he's won in the in the d league for instance when it was the d league and not the g league um yeah so, you know his track record is pretty strong so i, I want to talk to you about greg popovich though okay uh, this is also going to really anger some people i think let me start with this caveat mm-hmm. i think he is if not the greatest coach of all time one of the top three i think that cer- certainly agree with you on that so the entire debate is about where is he right now and has he <laughs> lost a step, so to speak? Uh, yeah. R- and, and I got the major concerns there. I mean, even as late as 17, 18, masterful job mm-hmm. with that team. Um, it, Kawhi is out basically the whole year. They win 47 games. Um, but I think in the playoffs, I've never been particularly impressed by his work overall. I think it, as a playoff coach only, I think his reputation was always a little bit outsized. I thought that they did okay in that Denver series. I thought neither coach really was that amazing in that Denver series mm-hmm. last year. But, you know, you see kind of these late game foibles where like they didn't foul at the end of game seven in that, that Denver series. You, you'll see stuff like that a lot. Uh, the USA performance, I granted this is for the NBA, but I, I was, very disappointed in that mm-hmm. uh this year and i think it just you know, over at his age we just haven't really seen coaches have a lot of success and I, I fear that he may be winding down a little bit i had him down at number 10 okay um i also just worry about you know the not embracing modern principles is enough you always used to say well hey his teams are always going to defend the last two years you know they haven't really done that i thought last year's success was based a lot on some unsustainable shooting especially unsustainable because one of the guys that was a really good shooter then left for the washington wizards uh, got traded yeah. and uh, i mean i think you'd be hard pressed to say that they have overperformed their talent this year and they're kind of right in line with what they have so yeah uh, yeah and, and he doesn't have the easiest roster to work with they've got a lot of flaws but uh you know if he comes back next year and they are win 55 games with this group obviously i'll change my opinion i'm trying to look forward a little bit here and given the age the last couple of years some of the playoff foibles some lineups not making as much sense you know the weakness for marco bellinelli that kind of stuff you know, mm-hmm. I, i'm uh yeah you know, if you if i was going to grade him on okay what 
what is your just your performance for this year? You know, he'd probably have to be in the bottom half of the league. Yeah, I guess I went the opposite way and gave him the benefit of the doubt based on yeah. his history. I mean, player development, locker room harmony, harmony with front office, those types of things. I think he, you know, still grades out really highly. Um, but the, the unquestionably, I mean, the last two years haven't been as strong. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think, I don't think we're in disagreement over where he is right now it's more just that how much are we weighting those things mm-hmm. um so you you still you had him as your number two overall i had him second yeah okay i i had him at 10 so we got a lot yeah. of other people to discuss here okay um who is your number two my number three you mean oh yeah sorry your number three yeah my number three was doc rivers yeah doc is interesting i mean he's been around for a long time what do you think are his biggest strengths um I think his ability to uh, motivate and get the best out of guys and, um, uh, you know, he never makes it look like rocket science what he's doing, but I think he's just a a real pragmatist. Um, He's had two different teams massively overachieve, right, in Orlando and again with the Clippers last year. Um, He's won a championship with an awesome team in, in Boston uh had had a lot of success there had consistent success with the clippers um like his i mean his overall track record is just really strong yeah and it's i think you would also be hard pressed to say what are his weaknesses you know i, I don't really see much I, I think he always has a good staff i mean and, and it's interesting too i mean we're we're kind of we're ranking the coaches but I, you kind of have to include their staffs on this a little yeah. bit too at least when we're talking about the the recent performance and how do you divide up credit among the staff is an interesting one but i think you know he's always been willing which some coaches aren't willing to really have like a good high profile staff behind him he's secure enough yeah. to do that and i think he gets the most uh, out of those staffs um well like i mean he yeah. you know he hired tom Thibodeau and had him run the defense which right. you know like <laughs> that was really smart right yeah and, and i mean x's and o's you know i don't really you know his teams haven't taken a ton of threes uh, historically yeah. um in these uh, clippers run but they've always had good offenses i mean you can't say that that hasn't been the case and again met uh with some big personalities in the locker room some others uh, like Kawhi who might be a, a little difficult to deal with i mean i think he just he does a great job of catering to his group right like they won 66 games in 2008 and then they make the finals again in 2010 going 500 for like the last two-thirds of the year because he's just like yeah you know we got a veteran team this regular season doesn't really matter we'll ramp it up in the playoffs he wasn't gonna freak out and and really drive his guys too hard um the only stain on his record to me is the clippers chris paul blake griffin teams being like a, a little dysfunctional uh, that people had that yeah idea then they they had some pretty ugly playoff collapses that mm-hmm. doc probably deserves a little bit of uh blame for but uh, overall i think it, his record is pretty fantastic and uh I, I i had him right up there too i had him as uh my number six overall coach but in okay. in a tier two with uh, pretty much every all the other guys that we've mentioned so who who is your number three uh well so my number two is actually a uh, friend of the program, Rick Carlisle. Okay. Um, he, I think I have him a little bit above Brad Stevens was my three. Mike Budenholzer is number four for me. Okay. Uh, he's going to be a really interesting one to talk about. Mm-hmm. Spo, Doc Rivers. And I also had Quinn Snyder uh, okay. in my, my tier two. But Rick, of all these guys, uh, again, fewer question marks about him. I think it's clear that when they didn't have the talent, he was uh, 
perhaps uh, not coaching his hardest. We'll mm-hmm. say that favorably. He even had a, a quote that alluded to that a little bit the other day. And I mean, you look at some, like they have one of the greatest offenses of all time. And I thought his uh, understanding of what Chris Stapps Porzingis should be doing and not posting up. He has a great understanding of the numbers. Uh, I think he's a relatively creative as well. Probably the only thing you can criticize him on is he's like a little bit of a hard ass. He could clash with players a little bit sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. A- and media. Uh, (laughs) yeah but uh and so but he's kind of with Luka Doncic I think he's been able to like chill out a little bit on that and you go back to some of these teams 2011 against the he is maybe one of the greatest coach series of all time Mm -hmm. uh his 2015 team before they screwed it up by trading for Rondo was at the time on pace to be the one of the greatest offenses ever with you know Dirk and some guys yeah 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 we we were really happy about that Rondo trade Yeah. And I think, you know, especially we've seen now that when they're healthy, like he's still got it like with a, a real team. Yeah. And yeah. and you could even say, hey, you know what, if he's going to sort of help their tanking efforts as a coach, like, hey, harmony with the front office, right? Like that's like a lot of yeah. coaches aren't willing to do that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I had him a little low. It was tough splitting hairs with this within this top group. Um, oh, for sure. For sure. And then, uh, so, so who, yeah. who, who's your third guy then? I, I went with Stevens. I think, you know, what do you make of this whole idea that like the media fetishizes Stevens and like coaches are kind of like, what, what has this guy done? Why does everyone love him so much? Um, there, I think there might have been a little of that at the beginning. Um, that that uh, like it, it was it was almost over the top at times his, his first couple of years. But I mean, unquestionably, like he's really good with X's and O's. I think he has a really good uh, demeanor on the sideline where he doesn't get too high or too low and just lets his guys play. He generally has had uh, really good. Um, uh, locker, but last year would be the exception, uh, where things kind of got sideways a little bit. Um, I feel like he's made pretty good adjustments in playoffs, even though he hasn't won a championship. I think all the series he's lost have been series where they were expected to lose. Um, so I, you know, the thing I would hold against him just is that he hasn't, you know, he doesn't have the ring that these other guys have. Um, so, you know, like yeah. stacking him up against Rick Carlisle was, was, Interesting. I don't know. Maybe I should. I had Stevens five and Carlisle six. Maybe I should have gone the other way. Um, uh, just because Carlisle has that ring and, and Stevens doesn't. But yeah. I think, it, you know, he's been good every year. He got Butler to consecutive Final Fours before that, which, I mean, that's, you know, it's not North Carolina. It's Butler, right? Yeah. And uh, so I think his track re- overall track record is just really strong. I agree with you there. I, I think you know, he did not have his best year last year from an emotional standpoint, or maybe even from an X's and O's standpoint. But I mean, we, we probably didn't talk about this enough in the criteria of just how many games are you winning compared to the amount of talent on the roster. And I think pretty much every season other than last year, they've won more games in the regular season than you'd expect and probably overperformed in the playoffs. I mean, that series against Philly in 17-18, nobody thought they were going to win that. Uh, with Kyrie out, a lot of people picked, including me, picked the Bucks to beat them. Yeah, and yep. And then they almost went to the NBA Finals with that group. You know, we've seen Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown develop really well. Marcus Smart. I mean, they've had some misses, obviously, with some of the guys that they've had as well. Um, You know, he does kind of have a way that he wants to play on offense. I think that makes a lot of guys better. But there are some types of players that don't fit into that quite as much. I mean, just the little things that you see his teams do. Like, okay, we're going to throw it to the wing, and you're going to start your drive before you even catch the ball. You know, like that yeah. fundamentals. Or when you, you set a pick and roll 
roll Daniel Tice, and now you're going to roll right into the guy who's guarding you and basically set a moving screen so you, the guy can get a layup. You know, those those little, like, fundamental things, the late-game plays, I think, are really good. The late-game strategy, he almost never screws that up, I think. Uh, so... All that, I, I mean, I, I'm, again, I would struggle to come up with a weakness other than just, you know, we haven't seen it in the finals. We haven't seen him really coach like a team with a lot of proud veterans, you know, a super team type of, uh, of you know, it, with Kyrie that he wasn't able to get that done. But yeah, you know, that might be more Kyrie than him. <laughs> just, yeah. just a thought there. It's going to be really interesting to see a second round series between him and Nurse in the East this year. Oh, man, I hope with, that With happens. relatively that be... equal talent, right? Oh, yeah, that that would be absolutely awesome. Um, so I have Mike Budenholzer at number four. You did not have him. I did not in have your him top in, tier. I did not have him in my top tier. I had him in my second tier. Uh, um, so l- let me ask you this: Where would you have him just as a regular season coach? Top tier, <laughs> right. without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in terms of, you know, offensive system, defensive system, you know, they're harmonious, the players tend to develop, um, you know, all, all that stuff. He grades out really well. Just when the playoffs happen, he just tries to do the exact same thing. I think we're, we're a little hard on him in the Toronto series last year. You know, he, they did try and change some stuff up, maybe even too much. Uh, but they did like a lot of switching in that game five, and you had a lot of possessions like Brooke Lopez is out there trying to guard uh, Kawhi Leonard. And, and, you know, I don't think that that was that necessarily terrible. Like, I don't, I wouldn't say that he coached a bad series against Toronto. I thought just Nurse coached a great series. Um, I think he has evolved since his Atlanta days. There definitely were times, you know, like that 2016 series against Cleveland. He comes in, all right, we got the number two defense. We're going to put two on the ball and pick and roll. And, you know, Cleveland is hitting like 24 threes a game on him. Yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I don't think he's lost a series necessarily where he's had more talent. Um, and, and if you look, I mean, this Bucks team, just look at the roster. Like, is that roster screen like 70 wins to you? I mean, like, like no, I mean, what definitely- he has gotten out of his personnel and the fact that he changed up his system his system is much different than it was in atlanta fit to this personnel is and has gotten as much out of it i mean that's that's awesome i i can't argue with any of that i guess i, I don't know maybe i'm talking him too much relative to these no i understand that concern completely uh but it's it we're gonna find out a lot this year we'll, we'll put it that way i mean like I, let's let's say they win the championship this year then he's like clearly top tier for you probably right i would i would say that would answer a lot of questions yeah yeah so and they might have won it last year if it weren't for just you know a couple bounces of the ball in game three uh or and, or forget game three what would have buck sixer series have looked like yeah 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 or not for four bounces the ball right so um yeah i i do think i think just his attention to detail is fantastic his teams just almost never make mistakes and and i have to say too i early on last year i was like what the hell are they doing like there's this game against the celtics where all you had to do is just drive to the nail and then you could throw it to the weak side and boston would hit a three and they end up losing that game early on i'm like what the hell is this system you could just get a three against these guys whenever you want and then i finally realized you know what the math is like no you actually never score at the rim against these guys ever yeah yeah <laughs> and, and no you actually are winning the math problem in a way that i didn't realize so uh yeah he to me may have the most volatility of anyone on this list i think if they disappoint in the playoffs a lot of people are going to say it's his fault 
You might also say, though, hey, you know what? They don't have as much talent, and like you shouldn't dock him because they're awesome in the regular season and they play to their talent in the playoffs. That would that would be the counter argument, absolutely. Um, in this case, with a team that's dominating the league this much, I, I think that probably that argument probably loses some of its steam, especially when you yeah. have the best player. Well, and you also when you take a team over and with pretty similar talent, you have the massive leaps that he's had these two years. That's uh, that's a good argument for you too. I would take a quick break here, and then we will get into the rest of this we're moving at our usual quick pace so uh <laughs> this is uh this is going well here david harrison here the locked on washington football team podcast celebrating with you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to dave's killer bread i don't know about you guys but when i eat pizza i eat it for the toppings not the crust and when i eat a sandwich it's for what's inside the bread not for the bread but when i throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds thin sliced bread from dave's killer bread it is the epitome of addition by subtraction that thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste killer texture killer nutrition a subtle sweetness and a seed coated crust dave's killer bread is america's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store What's up, sports fans? Matt Peck here, host of Locked On Bulls, and I want to talk to you really quickly about another excellent podcast. Huge Fan is a new Sirius XM original podcast where stars talk sports. Each week, join host LaChina Robinson as she chats with your favorite celebs about childhood sports memories, game day rituals, the most heated rivalries, and more. And this new season features huge names like Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and Hamilton, Pat Carney from the Black Keys, Mel C, that's right, a.k.a. Sporty Spice from the Spice Girls, and even actress Michelle Williams talking about her love for our very own Chicago Bulls. Huge Fan is a fresh way to connect with your favorite artists, actors, and personalities about something we all understand, fandom. Huge Fan is now out on Pandora, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. All right, who else did you want to talk about here? I mean, Eric Spolster, I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on. I think we, we're kind of pretty good understanding of where he's at at this point. Do you, you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I had him fourth. I think he's really good. I think he's shown he can work with superstars. I think he's shown he can work with kind of overachievers and uh, pretty much everything in between. I think he's, you know, pretty good about choosing players and not worrying about pissing off veterans. If he's, you know, if he decides Duncan Robinson should start, he's going to start Duncan Robinson, you know? And uh, I, I just... I just think he has a, a really good handle on things there. Yeah, player development, outstanding for sure. You know, it's been a while since we've really seen him try to adjust in a playoff series where he had a, actually had a chance to win. You know, 2016, I thought he did a pretty decent job in that uh, series against the Hornets and then the the one against Toronto, but that's a, that's a while back now. I, I mean, the one thing you might say is, you know, the whole heat culture thing isn't for everyone, but uh, – and i'm uh i'm interested to see what happens in the playoffs as well but yeah he's got some versatility being willing to try out this zone uh they they play a totally modern style uh, all that is good to me quinn snyder i had in this group his star perhaps is falling a little bit this year uh, with some of the jazz struggles integrating mike conley and going to more of an offensive group um <clears throat> 
and this is another one where i'm sure people are like well what the hell has he ever won you know they've won yeah yeah uh two first round series i will i will say though i think those two first round series that they won he coached an awesome series yeah yeah i mean definitely out coached billy donovan in the in the one against oklahoma city um he uh the I would say I I kept him out of the top the like the weirdness in Utah this year I th- I think kind of held me back from from putting him in that top group and then he hasn't quite won at the highest level I don't know if he's ever had the talent to win at the highest level um definitely definitely one of the better coaches in terms of like his preparedness is off the charts um system is good I mean he adjusted a little as you know early on it was just like we're just going to do dribble handoffs to the shot clocks at four and uh now I think he's a, he, you know he's snapped out of that the last couple years and and they run more modern stuff they still kind of take a lot of non-paint twos uh which which you'd like to see them fix yeah, yeah um, they, they've done that more this year which is kind of yeah not amazing uh d- defensively they're really good i mean obviously gobert's a big part of that but they also play to his strengths really well uh player development i think has been a good thing i mean uh what they've done with joe ingles in particular um who was not even that young a player when he got to him um but they, they've had a lot of successes there yeah Roy- royce o'neill is another one yep uh, not to mention, obviously, Gobert and Mitchell. So, uh, you know, I think he he grades out grades out really well. Um, you'd like to see the Jazz snap out of this uh, little malaise before you you got too high too high on them. Yeah, I, I suppose this one is just a little bit more subjective to me. When I watch their team, they just are very precise. They've got little just tricks that they use that you don't see from a lot of teams. The player development, as you mentioned, is good. The harmony with the front office, I, I think, is fantastic. That's an organization that really has been in lockstep as well. You know, he's been able to finesse some of these situations with some of the veterans that they've brought in uh, reasonably well. Well, you know, like a Joe Johnson, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so I, I probably have him higher than he's quote unquote earned. And you're also a little wary of guys who have only had one job where they haven't been able to succeed in multiple stops. And you wonder how much of that is the talent and how much of that is just a perfect synergy there. But I just, I think he's just a really smart guy and I, I trust him to make pretty good adjustments. I think he also has conviction where, you know, the system they're running against Harden, we're like, all right, we're just going to sit on his left hand and just essentially let him drive every single time where you're like oh man this is this doesn't make any sense like how can we be doing this and yet you look back and they held houston well below a lot of their season averages in those series and And just lost the series on offense yeah exactly would have won if they could make a jump shot um can we talk about two other guys that i had in my top 10 yes uh steve kerr and mike d'antoni so i had him uh i had d'antoni kerr and popovich at eight through ten in a different tier okay because they're very accomplished obviously but i have questions about their versatility and pop we talked about already but d'antoni and kerr um i you just wonder whether they can succeed in a way outside of the way that they have succeeded well i mean d'antoni certainly is you're, you're playing one way and if you get the players to play that way you'll have huge success and but, well maybe that's not quite fair because he would say hey we ran pick and roll all the time in phoenix then we went to this iso thing with Harden. now we're doing the the small ball with westbrook he would he would argue that there is more versatility there i think but it still is small ball spacing and not 
necessarily known as a defensive coach. Right, right. He's always struggled when he had the guy, you know, uh, Zach Randolph or Pau Gasol or people like that, um, uh, or Carmelo. Um, you know, he's definitely a guards coach, but. I mean, on the other hand, I mean, his, in terms of innovation, I mean, he knocked the league on its ass. Now that's, that's 10 years ago. That's not today. Everyone plays like that now, but I don't know. I guess I still give him a little credit for that. And, um, I think he's had a lot of success with a pretty novel system in Houston right now. Yeah, I, I agree. And I mean, he still came in with relatively similar personnel in 16, 17 and, got Houston right back into the, the contender group after they had really been floundering. Uh, so, no, I mean, I think he is a very good coach. He's The age issue might be starting to creep up on him because if we're thinking about, hey, who would we want as our coach for the next four years of our team? But if you, you if you wanted to be your coach next year, I mean, I think you could certainly do a lot worse. I mean, it's hard. You know he's going to get the most out of your team offensively. I think you can be very yeah, confident. He will be a coveted free agent uh, this summer. So Steve Kerr, I think he gets the absolute highest marks for handling things emotionally. Um, everybody would laud that. He's one of the most emotionally intelligent people that I have encountered just personally in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah the, Maybe some of the KD leaving some of the drama from last year falls on him just a little bit but i'm not sure that anyone necessarily could have managed that situation any better than he did and he still deserves a ton of credit for the way that his movement system revolutionized a a lot of what's going on but i'd like to see him not have a terrible offense without two of the greatest shooters of all time yeah that's and that's been the case when steph is just off the floor during this period too Mm -hmm. it's not just oh they suck this year personal hasn't been great but i need to see him make his system a little more versatile to where it can still function without steph and clay yeah i i think that's that's part of what keeps him in the in the second tier as opposed to some of the like he's not he's not as as creative as some of these other guys um i think he's just like you said i mean just his personality and his understanding of people i think is really high level i think he's done a really nice job in the playoffs too uh, other than the one you know game seven in 2016 playing festus azili at the end and, and anderson verajao verajao yeah that's the one i was going to bring up no i mean definitely i mean game four against us in 2015 he switched the matchups against tony allen now tony also had a hamstring issue which um you know, I wish he had been a hundred percent, but that that was a you know novel, like outside the box move that really worked for them. Yeah, and obviously going to the death lineup in the 2015 NBA Finals. I just overall. I have liked his, uh, what he's done in a playoff series. I think you would be, I, I did think he got out coached a little bit by Nurse last year, but Nurse probably had better talent once KD was out and, you know, Clay missed it a game as well. Um, but I, I think generally he has gotten the better of these matchups in the playoffs, admittedly, probably with better talent in, in most of these situations. But I, I'm, uh, I like him better as a playoff coach than uh a regular season coach at this point in time i would say okay okay but I mean, you certainly yeah. you've seen a lot more of him than i have so yeah it's not, i mean the, the one other thing i would say about him is that i don't know that he goes to the jugular quite early enough especially with going to the small ball lineup uh, you know playing the crappy center a lot of the time but given the amount of talent that he had it, i think it made sense for him to coach it and leave something in reserve uh, for a lot of these i i, I mean i did kind of like the way mike braun coached this team in 16 17 when he was out but they also had the most talent of any team all time then so 
I, I still think he's really good. This year has been a little bit of a stain. I mean, I don't like you still had D'Angelo Russell and Draymond Green on this team, right? And and some okay enough role players that they got traded and they're in the rotation now for Philly. So like, should you really have been on a on a thirteen win pace even without yeah. Steph Curry? Yeah. Yeah, well, it could be like, you know, Rick Carlisle's <laughs> gap year, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, but I, I think they're, especially because the lottery odds are different now, I, I think, I don't think he's doing anything intentionally. And yeah. they've had a ton of injuries and Draymond has been completely checked out. And, and I mean, they, there's a lot of excuses. I, I mean, I've, I've had him way it, it clearly in the top five in previous years and i think his star has waned just a little bit now mm-hmm. uh, i mean i still would love to have him as a coach for a team that's contending i mean we've talked about some of these yeah. strengths and weaknesses it, he would be right up there all right uh who's who's your next tier Let's so my next tier is what we have 11... the same, we have the exact same guys in the top 10 just in different order yeah no that's uh i my next tier is 11 through 17 i titled it of just solid playoff veteran coaches guys who have taken teams to the playoffs who you can bring them in you might see an improvement maybe they're not absolutely wowing you they haven't proven it at the absolute highest level but just guys who've been around you know are going to do a really solid job okay i think i think so I had six coaches in that tier, and it was kind of the same description. So yeah. I'm, inter- I'm, in- I'm interested to hear who your who your seven names are. So this, and again, the ordering gets looser. I think yeah. the lower we go. Uh, Terry Stotts yep. is one of those. I, I think I had him at number eleven okay. overall. Uh, I mean, generally has gotten more out of his teams defensively than the talent would have indicated with two small guards. They've never really had an elite defensive center either, and they've usually defended passably just by working the math well enough um and uh i don't know what do you what do you think of stats i think he's he's pretty good like i think he's a pretty good offensive coach too i think he's you know player development has gone well there uh you don't really hear anything happening with the locker room there um so uh i you know i i don't think he belongs in that top tier but i think he of the next tier i think he has a case to be at or near the top of it yeah and i think there's been times when maybe they could have played a little bit better um you know he, he did a nice job coaching last year's playoffs. The, the sweep against Golden State was a little disappointing, but they were pretty worn out uh, by that point. I mean, he he had that system for a long time where they ran all those flare screens and stuff, and I think the league kind of caught on to that, and he's gotten away from that a little bit more. He's been able to get stuff out of guys like Plumley and Yusuf Nurkic, where they run some more stuff through the elbows, they have high assists, they do a high pick and roll, they've got some diversity of their scheme. Now they've they've gotten as much out of Carmelo as you could have hoped for this year, uh, given where he's at. You know, they found ways yeah. to use him. So I uh, and I, I like what he's done offensively overall. Yeah, I think so. One of the one of the most. Uh... You know, a lot of coaches, you see them during the course of the season, they're kind of basket cases a little bit. I think he's like one of the most, him, him and maybe Kerr, like two of the more like well-adjusted ones, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I, th- I think that helps him. I think he just, you know, maintains a pretty even keel. Um, uh, who else was in this group for you? Uh, I had Brett Brown, uh, Nate McMillan, Steve Clifford, Dwayne Casey, and Mike Malone. I had Casey a little bit lower. Okay. Um, I put Billy Donovan in this group 
I think that this year he's done an excellent job. I think that I he was very much hamstrung by his personnel, both the total lack of shooting and Russell Westbrook just being enabled by the organization to do whatever the hell he wanted to. Mm-hmm. And now I think it has been a revelation for him this year. And I think he just he's a great front man for the organization as well. Uh, and I just I, I think he has a good understanding of what you should be trying to do. And I think freed from Westbrook, I moved him up a little bit than where I would have had him before because I think you just there's only so much you could have done with Russell Westbrook and a bunch of guys who can't shoot in OKC that's interesting I um you make an interesting case I had him I had him a tier below um yeah totally defensible and uh because to me he was more like they 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 fired Scott Brooks and brought in another Scott Brooks I guess was what I what I've always kind of thought about him um and uh but you know, he's, he's definitely done a good job with this. I mean, they really only have four good players, right? And But they, they've made it work, and they've made it work playing three small guards at the same time. Um, so I, you got to give him credit for that. Yeah. I think you'd have to say five. Schroeder probably counts as a good player this yeah. year. As yeah. Much That's as it fair. pains me to say it. Uh, <laughs> but And I thought Billy, I thought he coached really nice series in 2016 against the Spurs and the Warriors. I, I do agree that it, he got out coached by Quinn Snyder and Terry Stotts these last couple of years. Um, but they've, uh, and they've, uh, done a nice job in the clutch this year. Some of that's luck, but I think some of that is, uh, the way that he's coached it. I mean, generally when I'm watching them, I'm not like, oh man, they, what is he doing? What are you, you doing? Know, I, yeah. I don't have yeah. any of those moments. Um, yeah. let's talk about Brett Brown though, because he's, a, it seems like he's constantly under fire mm-hmm. in Philly. So uh, why do you have him this high? I think uh, people in Philly would be like, what, what the hell? I think he's, a convenient punching bag for for some things that aren't just aren't systemically right there um uh, just in terms of the roster uh you know i think i think up until this year he had pretty strong reviews um he definitely um you know through all that losing in the process um still kept everyone kind of pointed the right way you, you never really heard bad stuff coming out of there um navigated a two front office transitions right um yep where you don't really hear a peep about anything going sideways there. Um, I know he doesn't, I know some, I, some people aren't as huge fans of him. Um, I, I do think that second round series against Boston, he probably, you know, got, uh, what's, what's the word you want to say? Out, outplayed or, uh, yeah, yeah. I- outcoached can we say it outcoached yeah yeah um (laughs) yeah now now i thought he did a really nice job against toronto last year like putting Embiid on pascal siakam totally changed that series last year yeah and arguably they should have won it and then who knows what happens and how we're talking about him so uh i I think those are the those are the arguments for the the one thing i don't like there's even with the bad spacing there's too many times where they're like offensively like running into each other i feel like um and as I still feel like they're they're leaving money on the table there a little bit. Well, and ultimately, I mean, he hasn't been able to get through to Ben Simmons. He's tried cajoling. He's tried saying, hey, I'd love to see Ben shoot one corner three a game. And he's shot 0.001 corner three per game since he said that. And yeah. 
that's certainly because I, I like the way that he has staggered his groups he, he works well with their analytics staff in, in coming up with how he's going to run his rotations I, I think that makes sense um you know he has with the personnel he has he's embraced the post-up Joel Embiid is has great numbers posting up this year I do think defensively uh, one of the big criticisms out of Philly has been how he's used Al Horford and how he's tried to have him in a drop coverage that doesn't really play to his strengths uh and he certainly has been given a lot of talent but also a lot of big challenges so I, i'm comfortable with him uh, being uh, and he's done some great job i mean if you go back to that team with that first simmons and bead team in uh in 17 18 i mean that team nobody expected that team to do anything and, and they were fantastic so yeah. They, yeah they lost in the playoffs that year when they were favored but they're favored because the, they took two guys who were that he kind of helped to get way ahead of schedule and a bunch of role players yeah um yeah so so i'm comfortable with him here uh do we mention did we talk about nate mcmillan yet yeah i i had him in this tier yeah he's one of these guys who his philosophy doesn't necessarily match up with my personal basketball philosophy but it's really hard to argue with the results he's had in indiana I, I would I would say that's fair. I mean, his teams have always taken you know kind of a lot of twos, um, and but he gets he gets guys to buy into what they're doing, and everyone everyone fits into a role, and it all it always works. You never you, you know you like you say we talked about before. You never look out there. You're like, what are these guys doing? And uh, you know, I think Indiana this year has been a lot better than people expected, even with some uh, pretty uh, substantial injuries. Yeah, you look at some of the guys who have come into their system defensively, and Dan Burke, his assistant, deserves a lot of credit for this, too. He's been there forever. but uh, And I know when they transitioned from Frank Vogel, one of the things they said was, our defense will be fine, we're going to keep Dan Burke. And I thought that wasn't true, and it has turned out to somewhat be true. Uh, but uh, Nate, I think he does a great job of getting guys to buy in defensively. You look at, say, Bogdanovich and yeah. T.J. Warren, yep, for example, absolutely. defensively. I could not believe when I, I mean, going to that Indiana Milwaukee game in person before the break and seeing the job TJ Warren was doing on Middleton was like shocking for anyone who had seen him in Phoenix. It, it was, uh, you know, I sort of knew that he had been uh, been all right, you know, just watching on tape and stuff. But somehow, you know, it's more visceral when you see it in person. It's like, what, what did they do to this guy? Like, wait a minute. Like, when did this happen? Yeah, and then you look at the development of guys like Turner and Sabonis and Oladipo there as well. Malcolm Brogdon came there and he, he's looked better. It's, uh, you have to be, I think he's done a pretty good job with the rotations. The, the lineups make sense. So I, I, now I wonder what they could do if Miles Turner bombed eight threes a game the way, um, Jaron Jackson does. I, I think that they, if they could, if they do decide to move on from him at some point and they bring in a more modern offense, Defensive coach maybe they can maintain the defensive principles and i think they to me have arguably underperformed their talent a little bit in terms of their offensive rankings at times that's interesting you think that's because of uh um they're, they're just not not spacing out the floor enough not uh yeah yeah, yeah i think so I, I mean like miles turner should be playing like brooke lopez the, so uh, the guy that frustrates me is doug mcdermott and i mean he's yeah. he did this in in other stops too but like telling convincing doug mcdermott that he's really good at three-point shooting and not so good at other <laughs> aspects of it would be would be hugely profitable for them where'd you have frank vogel yeah that was a tough one i had him a tear down um i i had him in this group as i think i mentioned okay i i i struggled with him i mean the the lakers have done fantastic this year so maybe it's too harsh um but you know the orlando thing did not go well 
No, no, it didn't. And that that's very clear. And you thought, oh, well, now that he's not in Indiana, the defensive magic is worn off. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, to the point where you're like, what, like, this is their third choice that they're hiring. But I mean, I think it, his job has been absolutely impeccable to me uh, in L.A., given all the things that he's had to deal with there. Yeah. I mean, just all the noise and not being able to choose his own assistants and whatnot. It's 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 been pretty remarkable. Yeah. So. Um, I just, I, I guess I want to see, I want to see, uh, how this plays out in April and May before I really, before I, before I wipe that resume stain from Orlando off, uh, and, and push him up. Yeah. And he did have some foibles as a playoff coach, which arguably got him fired after that 15, 16 season, um, game five against Toronto, where he stuck with the bench group too long and they ended up blowing a big lead. They could have won that series uh, in 2016 yeah. so yeah we'll see how he looks in the playoffs but and he's got a lot of rotational stuff to sort out here i think he's done a really good job managing a lot of vets who all think they should be playing like uh, rondo yeah yeah uh, yeah yeah but what happens when he has to you know when he has to choose his top eight players in, a, yeah. in meaningful games that's going to get really yeah. interesting and, and, and i think kuzma has been another interesting one as well i think just kind of based on the way things have run i think he kind of knows i think he knows that rondo and kuzma might have to be uh, minimized a little bit in favor of guys who are just gonna uh, have fewer weaknesses defensively but we'll see i mean certainly you wouldn't have had the lakers as being like a top five defense most of the year before the season which and i mean the way lebron is bought in a lot of people would say hey lebron's going to do what lebron wants to do regardless but there are a lot of coaches and a lot of first-year coaches who have not meshed very well with lebron james and frank vogel has done a fantastic job agreed agreed um so yeah i mean i think we we're in agreement of where he is it's just how much are we waiting this orlando thing um is is there anyone who was it who i who you had in that uh kind of high teens tier that i did not well i think we should talk about mike malone because a lot of people would say would probably argue that he should be higher he's get gotten coach of the year buzz at various times the last couple of years yeah i mean i don't know i think he's he's pretty good like they have a good track record with player development i think his adjustments are generally pretty solid you don't hear anything coming out of there about people being unhappy um i uh you know I, I just I just don't know that he's done anything to elevate him above that group I guess in terms of like being really super innovative or anything and uh you know there's been like last year in the playoffs you, you kind of felt like they should be doing better than they were doing yeah yeah they, they had a very easy draw and they almost lost to the Spurs and then they they did lose in a, in a pretty miserable game seven loss to a, a Portland team that was totally out of gas and I think for Malone, we'd think of him a lot differently if Denver hadn't had the shooting luck and the close game luck that they've had the last couple of years. If they had just won 50 games last year and were on pace to win 50 this year, as opposed to whatever it was, or 53 or 54 last year and 54 this year, I think you probably would feel differently about him if they're, you know, going to be, they're the two seed last year and they're on pace to be, have home court advantage this year. If they were just the fifth or the sixth seed, which is kind of, kind of yeah. where their overall fundamentals would put them i think people would feel differently about him yeah that's that's probably part of it i don't know i 
I guess I never was really all in with like the coach of the year buzz. So I kind of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's good to explain that though. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of people just feel differently. Mm-hmm. And they, again, they have defended. I think they've punched above their weight defensively, but they've also gotten lucky defensively in some ways. So I, I think given the limitations of Jokic that he's crafted probably the best defense that he possibly could. I, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Mm hmm. Um, but you know, they could do more offensively. I do think that they're a little, a little bit kind of station to station offensively, um, at times. So yeah, I mean, I, I feel he's kind of average to me. Um, yeah, yeah. All right, I think we hit on everyone in that group. Was there, was there any? Oh, Dwayne Casey, you had him higher than I did. Make the case for that. Uh, yeah, I, I just <laughs> I felt like he. I felt like even though even though Nurse came in and won the championship, I still felt like Casey did a pretty good job there. I mean, he had Casey had Demar Derozan to work with, not Kawhi Leonard. Um, and True. uh, you know, he kind of made it work with a player who, as the Spurs have found, it's difficult to make it work with him, even though he's talented and scores a lot. And you know, Toronto still had a lot of the same positives in terms of uh player development and harmony with the front office. I do think he was he was unafraid to try things at times. Um, you know, their their shot chart generally looked pretty good. Like I, I don't know, I just felt like he he still had a lot of was one of the early invaders with the with the zone of really actually using it. Um, I still I, I still think he deserves some credit for that and should be pushed down to that fourth tier. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I guess the question is certainly as a playoff coach, uh, he had some major issues. I felt. Um, what do you think of the job he's done in, in Detroit? Uh, I I think they've actually overachieved a little bit based based on. I mean, yeah. if you told me Blake Griffin was basically not going to play all year, um, you know. Yeah. They, all right. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna move him up. You, you convince me. I'm gonna I'm gonna move him up to, to uh from tw- 21 to 18. <laughs> Well, because okay. I, I have kind of a different tier of guys, which I'll talk about in a second okay. here before I okay. get down to kind of the the more like just won't get you killed mm-hmm. vets who don't really add much. But yeah, I, I think you've convinced me here because I do think, I mean, yeah, they're 20 and 42 or whatever this year, but that's actually given the talent available and the way the mission has changed here. That's actually probably like not bad Yeah. Um, with this group. And you know, last year, I thought he did a pretty good job. You know, got a lot out of Blake Griffin, used him as the fulcrum of the offense uh, and they actually have had like shot a lot of threes with these guys guys that develop pretty well just guys like svi or bruce brown or christian wood and then going back to toronto they developed a lot of guys also and you know I, I, certainly locker room he has a pretty impeccable resume there as well so i mean you know is he a seven million dollar a year coach you know maybe not That's yeah, the, yeah. the deal that he got there but i think i wouldn't be like okay we got to upgrade here with him you know i, I think he's he's solid so maybe i was being a little too harsh on him and and uh but yeah i mean i i think he's actually probably a good coach for the team that he's got now i don't know if he's as good of a coach for your we're really trying to take the next step and compete for a championship right right so my next group here okay i I had three guys that i looked at as young coaches with potential and you know i don't know that if i was just gonna say hey how what type of a job are these guys doing right now that uh i would say they're doing any better or worse than the guys above or below them but it's more just because they're young that i feel like they can kind of improve grow with their teams 
And whereas maybe the guys below them are kind of established, we've seen them for a long time. We kind of know what they are, where these guys could grow with their teams, get it in the playoffs and maybe look a lot better a couple of years from now. Okay. Um, so Kenny Atkinson, okay. Taylor Jenkins, uh-huh. and this one might be a little controversial, Lloyd Pierce to have him. Okay. Okay. This high. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. I, I, no, I think that's fair. I, I had a tier of like the unproven and, yeah. uh, and, um, so Taylor Jenkins and Lloyd Pierce are at the top of my unproven group, and I had another guy there with them, James Borrego. Um, I, I think Borrego is kind of like, what has Borrego done that's good? Like, can you point to anything that he's like that he's popped out as as being good for? Uh, having Devonte Graham go splash a palooza. I guess so. Uh, I mean, although he's kind of fallen off now. What, we'll what does he had? To, I mean, what is it? What has he had there though? Like, I, yeah, I, like it's it's hard to even judge, right? Um, yeah, I mean, you could maybe say they underperformed a little bit last year. Yeah, that's. I mean, there was all the Kemba business and whatnot. Um, but yeah, they were trying to make the playoffs and didn't. Um, and then he really, though. See, I thought the second half of last year he went away from uh, from like I'm going to make the veterans happy to I'm just going to play the guys who are you know who are going to be on this team next year. And they actually yeah. had a, had some success down at the end, uh, playing all their young guys and kind of uh, playing a little bit more modern basketball. Um, Atkinson's an interesting one because he's had a little bit more time there. Um, you yeah, know, I think see, obviously Atkinson to me, if anything, I think I might have, I, I should have had him higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, great with the player development. Um, you know, I think system wise, like pretty decent as far as like getting them to take a bunch of threes and, uh, I, I don't the, know. They that. overperform defensively every year. Uh, they've, I'm sorry, underperformed? Overperform. I oh, think. okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I guess, uh, you know, just talking to people in the league, I think they're not like super excited about is like X's and O's and whatnot. Um, it was hard for me to move them up too much relative to some of these other guys. Yeah, I just think that they have been better than their talent for three years in a row now. And, and that, that to me has to mean something, ultimately. I, I mean, I agree they're not, you know, running the most intricate shit at the end of games or, or that kind of stuff. But I do think, I mean, defensively, they've got a center. They're playing Torian Prince at the four and they don't have any kind of really like a wing stopper or any kind of shark on the perimeter who can force turnovers. And they're like at the league average in defense. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. And they started D'Angelo Russell the whole year last year. And, and still had a decent similar. defense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, like Joe Harris is their three. He's below. Yeah. I mean, you look at their personnel and, you know, a lot of it is the, the way that they've kind of jiggered the math around defensively. And you wonder again, like, okay, can this guy take the next step? in the playoffs can he uh, work with some of the egos that he's going to have to work with here and you know you could easily see them moving on from him if next year doesn't start off too well and KD and Kyrie are like hey let's get rid of this guy but I, I think just you look at the talent available I, I think he's exceeded it every year I, I like I that's the number one thing that I'm looking for in a coach so I, yeah I, and it seems like he kind of he's another one of those guys who are like oh this this guy like what is he, what has he done why is it he, he getting respect when some other coaches who have been in the playoffs don't but i just think he's he's outperformed his talent yeah to, to me I, that's that that's the best argument i can make for him um and so sometime maybe in another place or or with different players it wouldn't work out but i think his resume it, i don't know what else you'd be asking him to do with the talent that he's had over the time his time in brooklyn yeah yeah absolutely i think that's a pretty pretty fair argument for him you should become his agent d- d- did i convince you to move him up yeah i think you did actually yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> 
All right. Well, that's good. See, we're 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 open to to we're being open convinced. minded gentlemen. Exactly. Yes. Um. What about Lloyd Pierce? You you see him probably more than any other coach. Certainly concerning that there the Hawks not planning to move on from Lloyd Pierce. <laughs> article was written <laughs> at one point this year. Right. Right. Um. What do you think of him? Uh. So we at full disclosure, we had him as an assistant in Memphis my first year, and yeah. always thought he was pretty sharp and was somebody who could be a head coach someday. Um, and that's turned out to be the case. Uh, the thing that's hard watching these guys is that they're not playing for right now necessarily, right? They're in terms of like playing Hunter and Reddish all these minutes, for instance, as starters right out of the gate. Um, they haven't really had a defensive identity at all between having Trey Young at one end and John Collins at the other. So I feel like once they start playing games with Clint Capella and you have like a real five there next to Collins and these wing players are starting to come along to the point that they're kind of real basketball players. Like I think we're going to have a lot more information on Lloyd Pierce in the next eight to 10 months versus where, where we are right now. Um, you know, definitely they run an attractive offensive system. It's, you know, it's a lot of high pick and rolls with Trey Young, but like what would you do if you had that team? Right. And, yeah. uh, you, you, you wish they could generate more offense when he's out of the game. Um, and uh, I, I don't know if they have the ability to do that just with the players, but um, you, you wish they could, you know, come up with a few more smoke and mirrors, I guess. So that that would be a quibble there. But again, like, you know, he's he's still he's still at the kind of beginning of his career. And uh, so I think that this spot is probably an appropriate one for him. Yeah, I, I think some people might have him lower. I, you know, again, you never want to have the type of negative headlines that he's had. But to me... I thought that his number one job has been developing Trey Young and he gets a 10 out of 10 on that. Yep. Trey may not agree with that, ironically enough, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know what else Trey wants or I mean, maybe he's just frustrated because they've been losing. Uh, and it does seem like some of the guys don't love playing with him with Trey either, but those guys, yeah, Trey's going to dominate the ball because you don't have anyone else. And I think he came under fire because they've had some really ugly stretches this year, mm-hmm. but with between the injuries and the fact that they just don't have the players i'm not sure what else is supposed to happen i mean they had the worst center rotation in the league they're the worst wing rotation in the league they're shooting like non-trey young players on this team are shooting like 31 percent from three despite getting set up for wide open three-pointers all the time um so and i think you know a lot of the stuff that he's run has been very difficult for teams to stop like the the uh those double drags last year teams had a lot of trouble with those i think whenever they've even had some modicum of personnel available like some kind of decent vets some players who know what they're doing that they've looked pretty good and i think as you know herder i think has developed pretty well collins you have to say has developed pretty yeah. well under his watch uh and even reddish given how he certainly has improved a ton reddish as the, the last has month has been has been yeah. much better yeah yeah um if it weren't for some of the negative headlines i might even have consider having a little hard now you know they've never made the playoffs i mean it's it, that's why i kind of have this tier of atkinson's jenkins and yeah. pierce because you haven't seen these guys in the playoffs you don't know what they would look like actually coaching a good team but i think the returns on all of them are, are pretty good yeah. early the um, other interesting Interesting thing to watch with Pierce. He's kind of been a, a, a use the full roster guy. And I wonder if that changes next year when there's more pressure to, to win, if he's more of a choose eight or nine guys and go with them uh, mentality. Yeah. Well, well, you tend to use the full roster when you only have four good good players. 
Well, or because you're or just when, searching yeah, for something. Yeah. Well, you'll you'll use four centers and a half when you know two of them have eight fouls between them at the end of the first <laughs> quarter. So there's there's some of that too. But I mean, there's definitely like yeah. he was using three centers in the first half, the whole like yeah. every single game. Yeah, when you have to when you've been told that you have to use Damian Jones and he can only possibly play three minutes before getting into foul trouble, that's going to increase <laughs> the number of players you're going to use. Um, Taylor Jenkins, you speak on him for. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say, that, I mean, the biggest thing with him is how much he's weaponized Jaron Jackson and how that helped open the floor for a team that really doesn't have a lot of shooting. And, uh, so I, I think that's been a huge positive for him. I think the change in Dylan Brooks's game this year, um, you know, I think he get, he deserves some credit for that. Uh, DeAnthony Melton has certainly come in and played a lot better than he did in Phoenix. So it's just, you know, we have half a season of body of work basically with him and we just, yeah. we need to see more. We need to see more situations with, you know, adjustments and late game and all that stuff uh to, to really have a good sense of where he belongs yeah boosting the pace has also been very encouraging uh, also you just don't see as many mistakes from these guys uh, as well i mean coming from bud's uh, system i think he's imported a lot of those principles which is a good you know as just a i don't know that he's quite facile yet with just sort of the representing the organization media stuff you know i don't think he's quite comfortable that that's a, a relatively ancillary factor but just a, something that i that i notice seeing him in person sometimes mm-hmm. he just kind of you know starts off in the monologue and just is trying to get through it and, and yeah a bit of a monotone type of thing and that, that'll well, that'll come around to be sure that's, a lot of the coaches again. who weren't players in the league you see that because the guys who yeah. were players have had mics in their face since they were 18 years old uh so they're, they're generally a lot more comfortable okay so uh, is there anyone that we need to name who's who's around this area for you i mean we're, we're just talking about my 19 through 21 guys right now um but again in a different category from the the guys who have larger bodies of work perhaps yeah so uh as, as far as the up-and-comers I, I i didn't know what to do with uh mike miller in new york um who has done a decent job by all appearances but won't won't be in the job next year um and we like we just don't know a lot about him and it's a weird situation there did steve stott tell you that personally (laughs) i had forgotten about him already it's like it's like they brought in the mooch but uh but for basketball pr right (laughs) um yeah mike miller maybe there's an argument that he should be higher just because i think you could say he's done a good job given the circumstances that he's come into but yeah i mean the fact that he's not going to receive serious consideration he doesn't have the track record it's just i mean if you're going to be fair it would be an incomplete but i had him in my bottom tier just due to some of the i mean he's an interim coach you know yeah on a, i do but yeah think, i mean they, they've defended above where i thought they would this year i do think he has earned the possibility of getting hired somewhere else I think if you talk to people in the league, they weren't surprised to see him do what he's done with the Knicks. So I, I think he's, even at his age, I think he's still somebody to watch for maybe another job. So uh, what do you make of, uh, I've got a, a group here. I'll just list them off of five of just, I, I had it as vets who won't get you killed. Okay. Luke Walton, uh-huh. Alvin Gentry, uh-huh. Monty Williams, Borrego was here for me, uh-huh. and uh, Scott Brooks. Okay. 
That was uh, my twenty-two through twenty-six. Okay, so I had I had I had Gentry, Brooks, and Vogel in my bets who won't get you killed. Um, I had Monty. I think has an argument to be in there too. Like he's he's good. He's good with like getting guys to buy in and all that. Um, it you know in game probably not great. Um, uh, didn't didn't really max out that New Orleans team. I never felt like, uh, but had some things working against him there too. Uh, seeing sort of the same thing in Phoenix. Uh, so he'd probably be toward the bottom of that group. And then Luke Walton's the one that's hard for me because I mean the thing in LA last year was so bad. Um, now obviously he coached and was the coach in Golden State while Kerr was out and uh, you know won a bunch of games. But I think you know you or me could have won a bunch of games with that team. Um, and Sacramento this year. I don't know. I guess it's been all right. I mean, they had a really rough start and they got up off the mat. Uh, yeah, I guess, you know, I guess he I, probably belongs in that group. I, I mean, I think he, you wanted to see them play at a higher pace. You know, they had this De'Aaron Fox injury. They started off horribly. There's been guys in and out of the lineup. He, he kind of had to play Marvin Bagley, which made things difficult. Bagley was not a, a positive player. I don't know what you make of the fact that he, you know, immediately went away from Deadman to Rashawn Holmes. I think that probably helped them. Rashawn Holmes was better. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he also pissed off Deadman to the point that he was demanding a trade. Um, you know, Buddy Heald has been, there's been, hey, if he's not starting by next year, he's going to demand a trade. He's had some negative headlines uh, as well. So that's not amazing. But I, I think they've, kind of righted the ship a little bit they've been playing better i think making the hard decision of starting bogdanovich or bringing healed off the bench like that's actually helped the team even yeah. if it has pissed off buddy uh, and even if taking deadman out who was playing terribly and putting in holmes pissed off deadman and it's it's and i thought that luke actually did a pretty decent job getting those pre-lebron laker teams to defend so I I had him a little bit higher previously. I guess the, the Sacramento stint, I, I don't really know what to make of it. I mean, that probably means I should probably be, be lower on it, frankly. But it, it's hard to say he's done a good job this year. Maybe you just say it hasn't been as bad as some people, as some of the headlines might have indicated. Right, right. I mean, they're still, you know, on the fringes of the race, even with all they've been through. So, so there's that. Uh, Monty, I actually really was impressed with what they were doing early. They were defending. I liked his offensive approach. I really liked the way that Devin Booker was playing early on off the ball, weaponizing him with cuts, quick transition attacks, not having it just be station to station, pick and roll with him every time, uh, running the way they've used Rubio has been very solid. But the fact is they've kind of regressed back to a little bit more where they were in previous years as the season has gone on and the defense started off. Well, that's not good anymore. You know, they're probably, he, I think never really had a decent defense in New Orleans, despite having Anthony Davis there. So it's hard. And yeah, as he brought some stability, changed the narrative around the team. Yeah, that's true. You know, he's impeccable as a, as a man with all that he's been through. uh, And people really respect him. And I think the organization needed that, but it's, I mean, they're 24 and 37 right now. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, So that's it. And and I think they've had some injury issues too, but this is a team that I think could have been competing for the playoffs if they had been able to sustain what they were doing early on and for whatever reason they just couldn't i mean if he yeah. he was my like for the first month or so i was talking about him as a potential coach of the year and then it just hasn't sustained i don't know why that is but right right um huh. so yeah i mean i i feel comfortable having him down in in this range uh scott brooks yeah 
I, you know, he, you never hear about any problems really in his life. I mean, I guess there was a little bit of time there where John Wall and Bradley Beal had a little bit of. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've, I've heard a little bit Mm -hmm. of of grumblings of players not liking him. Now, does that get out publicly? Not necessarily, but, uh, and you know, he does the old school, we're a bunch of wusses thing once a month. Yeah. Which I just, I mean, has that ever worked in the last 10 years? (laughs) I mean, that just, just don't say it. Yeah. 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 There's just nothing like, motivating players through the media i think that's uh you know that's like what mike Ditka did in 1985 um what is he good at scott brooks can can we do we know uh good i'd say he's good at staying on an even keel through the course of the season and kind of not he's <laughs> not killing you right that's why he's in this tier right yeah <laughs> he he he's taken on a he has evolved in washington he's taken on a more modern approach uh he's certainly they have played according to their personnel this year um yeah i i didn't think that they could reach some of the heights that they did offensively at times with this group but yeah i mean it's it, and it's i can't ever think of a time when a scott brooks team has played better than its talent level yeah now he, he given that he did weaponize uh bertans yes yeah that that's that's the biggest thing you could say is that but i think he's kind of just decided to not care about defense he's embracing that um but yeah another guy where it's just not a seven million dollar a year coach yeah yeah i would definitely agree with that i i, I mean i would say when when this ends i wouldn't recommend him getting hired for another job and again not that he's like he's terrible that he's gonna kill you it's just why don't you take a there's chance no upside guy. in it right yes yeah. precisely precisely yeah. yeah um are we ready for the bottom tier uh sure fire away so miller kind of an incomplete i felt like i just had to put him in here but you know that's that's maybe not fair to him i have three permanent head coaches here in my bottom tier okay number 28 jim boylan Mm -hmm. number 29 ryan saunders and much as it pains me to say it to you number 30 jb bickerstaff oh man okay yeah i don't i don't think jb's should be number yeah, three. I, I assume you're gonna have Boylan last. I um I was actually um this was hard. I had I had Ryan last um just because the the way that team's defending is just so bad right now. I know it's some of it's talent driven. It's probably not fair, but this a this is like we said. I mean, this is this is hard. Um. To, when you get down to the bottom yeah, because there like weren't the, there weren't any- i will say at least this all of the even these coaches were saying is the worst have some good things about them that you can point to Wait, there weren't any obvious punching bags like i i so i when i first did this i had i had all three of those guys in kind of an unproven group um yeah now, Boylan's interesting because he's such a caricature. Um, right. But you look at like some of the things he's actually implemented strategically, like don't suck, right? They, like right. they're taking, they're taking decent shots. The trapping looks bad when it gets, uh, beaten, but it also enables them to force a lot of turnovers. Like they've had some injuries. Um, I, you know, I don't know if player development has gone real well there or some other things. I don't like how he, you know, goes after, uh, players in the media sometimes and some of the other stuff he's done, but. Um, even he, um, I, th- I think if you ask Bulls fans, I'll say he's definitely the worst. And I, like, I don't know if that's true. Um, Bickerstaff, uh, you know, obviously we had him as the coach in Memphis. I think he does a really good job with the locker room. I think, um, his, some of his stuff in terms of like ATOs is actually pretty good. Um, he, uh, is destined to break all of Alvin Gentry's interim coaching records, apparently. Um, <laughs> 
But, uh, you know, we'll see how, you know, it's Cleveland. We'll see how much of a, a chance he's actually given there, given the history. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I will say this. The one season that he's had where he actually was able to start the year, which was last year in Memphis, right. I thought they overperformed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we did we did until we didn't, right? I mean, we were in first place in the West in, in November, and then we went 2-16 and 16 in January. Um, so there, there were some other things there that uh, went far beyond coaching. But, um, yeah, that uh, – I thought he, you know, it was interesting because the way he managed that team, obviously we played the slowest pace in the league and kind of, you know, kind of, kind of went all in on our, our being different stylistically and, and it really worked for a while. Um, I, yeah, I don't see him doing that in Cleveland, right? I, I think it's going to be a very different game with two, two guards that need to develop and whatever they get out of the lottery this year. So, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how he manages that team differently from, uh, what what he would have done uh with us in memphis yeah and uh, probably the biggest stand on his record to me is i thought he did not do a great job in that 15 16 season with houston but yeah. that was a, a pretty toxic situation as well and then when he came in uh after the fizdale firing I mean, that team kind of had no chance uh, at that point just with, with we actually injuries. um so we were 7 and 12 when he took over we went we played 30 games and went 11 and 19 i want to say um, yeah. And then once we pulled Tyreek off the floor in Indiana, uh, that was our four and twenty nine blitz to the finish line. That um, you know we uh, with, what's what's the word I'm looking for here, Nate? Um, you uh, you got out coached in those games. <laughs> we uh, we got we got out out GM'd in those games. I think we, we yeah we yeah. Uh, that, that that might be more there accurate. there yeah, there, yeah. yeah. So. there there were some strategic considerations that went beyond winning and losing that particular game. Yeah, I mean, I thought after that Houston stint and then it, the playoff series against the Warriors without Steph Curry, where they still got completely run off the floor and weren't even competitive, mm-hmm. uh, I thought that uh, he was pretty bad. I think his time in Memphis, uh, I was critical of you guys for retaining him, and he did a pretty good job after that, I thought, last year. And then it was surprising that uh, they decided to move on from him after I thought he did a pretty decent job. And Jenkins has done a good job there. I, I think that was, that was a, a fine hire. So, again, just, you know, I do have him at number 30 just with the overall track record. And, I, you know, I don't think he's shown that much of a proclivity for playing modern basketball, but his strengths in managing the locker room, which uh, the Cavs certainly needed, uh, are going to be useful. And, again, like, I, I'm not going to go so far as to say even that he's a bad coach, but somebody has to be number 30. That's kind of what it is. That's where we are. We're actually in a good place with coaches in the league right now. Yeah. We, re- we really are. When you go through this list and look at it, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. There's yeah. A- I mean, and any of these guys – could end up being a lot harder to Boylan. I think where he really fails is just the representing the organization, right? Like, is no good free agent who has other options is going to want to go to Chicago because of him and because it just, of this whole. Yeah, it just right. looks like a little bit of a, a clown show, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Saunders, by all accounts. Uh, everyone really loves him. You do wonder a little bit about the nepotism aspect there and the PR aspect be- playing into why he was hired. You know, they didn't really do a coaching search. They did they a, fa- a fake. Thing. They did a fake coaching search, right? They, when yeah, when Gerson came in, yeah, and yeah, yeah, so the, the I, fake coaching search that occurred after yeah. Ryan Saunders was part of the hiring committee. That coaching search, yeah, yeah, exactly. So he. <laughs> Um, you know, he's the youngest coach in the league still, right? And, uh, I, I, 
I still think that they like you could argue that he could be in that group with some of those other guys too, where he's kind of you know the young and unproven and still you know does he have the potential to be yeah. a lot better than this? Yeah, I think he does. He, so. He's trying to do the right things offensively. That oh, that I think yeah. it, like at least and, and that's true for a lot of these guys. Again, you know, there's got there's thirty coaches. Somebody has to be thirtieth, but you, you don't have these coaches anymore where you're just like what they're trying to do is just idiotic the way you used to right yeah and so that's uh, and you also wonder again in what quickly became a developmental season how much of you know his actual chops were really seeing trying to win basketball games where you know you're trying to like develop Jarrett culver and play him at point guard that kind of stuff yeah i mean really from the point where they where that jeff teague weirdness happened really from that point and and they didn't have towns like that was just like they were never going to be competitive from that point Okay, so let's do some some quick categories here uh, before we get going. Who would you say is the best, or at least candidates for the best developmental coach? Uh, I think Popovich uh, has a case, a yeah. very strong case. Um, I think Terry Stotts and Mike Malone should be in the conversation. Um, I think Spolstra, uh, Nurse, uh, Budenholzer probably has a case too. Quinn Snyder, I would, I would say Quinn maybe Snyder be up there as well. Yeah. Uh, we shouldn't dismiss Brett Brown here either, or uh, or, or Kenny Atkinson. Bra- Braun, I wouldn't put in that same group. Okay, I, I don't think. Um, I think Covington did develop under his. He, he at least has a lot of experience development. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> and that's crazy to think that he's been there for. Yeah, this, what is because this gonna be his eighth season. Yeah, and that's that's crazy. Yeah. Um, best coach for a veteran contender, Doc. Yeah, Kerr would be up there for me too. I mean, certainly Carlisle, Nick Nurse, those kind of guys. But I, I'm kind of more even thinking like, hey, these guys have been around for a while. They got vets. They don't need the rah rah shit in the regular season. They might not try that hard during the regular season. Um, yeah, yeah. Best communicators, huh? Kerr would have to be in that group for me. Yes, he he might be. It's hard because it relies on us being a little more behind the scenes. Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of it just based on what people tell us, obviously. Yeah, you know, it's, it, I don't know if Brad Stevens is quite in that category. Uh, oh, Popovich. Yeah, Doc Rivers would probably have to be up there too. You would think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Pop. I don't know. I mean, it does seem like they, they've, and this has changed some, but they've always put this big premium on getting Spurs guys, guys who've gotten over themselves. You know, he does kind of go out in the media and call people out in weird ways every once in a while. I think within the players that he brings in, you know, like they bring in players, or at least have tried to until very recently, that he is able to communicate with. Yeah. Maybe more than that he can reach every type of player. Whereas Steve, I mean, I think everybody, even in this terrible season in Golden State, Amari Spellman and... Glenn Robinson the third there even Alec Burks I think they're all like kind of sad to be traded because of like Steve Steve Kerr they all were glowing uh, about him hmm. uh let's see here best system I think Bud yeah I think he's got to win on that uh who else who else is good you know I, I think you know yeah I, I mean when you just think of like it's almost kind of more of a college thing like hey we're gonna bring guys in we're gonna establish this system that's gonna make everyone better now the malleability of that system you can put in a question but just like hey this is what we're gonna do in the regular season and it's gonna work and you're gonna have to beat us by taking a bunch of threes oh what about um, uh Mike D'Antoni yeah, that would be up there. Kerr, I might have had up there until his system kind of doesn't work without Stephen Clay. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Quinn Snyder, Spread yeah. Stevens, you'd say those guys would probably be yeah. uh, talked about there, too. Um, best motivator? Uh, 
How, how is that different from best communicator? You you wanted yeah. to put that category in there, so yeah. I'll give you I, the I guess they do overlap a little bit. Just uh, some guys have that ability to put the that charge into people without necessarily being touchy feely. Like yeah. I guess hey, like thinking, Dwayne Casey might be one for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess the guy I was thinking of when I when I. Uh, Made that was Lionel Hollins, who, yeah. you know, wasn't necessarily overly communicative with his guys, but like he was a motivator. Um, well, well, Nate McMillan would be a good one too. We talked about how guys who were not perhaps the most motivated have come in and, and defended with him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Pop would probably have to be another one there too, I would say. Um, best playoff X's and O's. Nurse would probably be Nurse. number one for me. Yeah. Carlisle has to be up there. Stevens. Those would probably be the three. If Snyder had just had a little bit more success, I might put him up there. Yeah. Um, I think those would be your guys. Sure. Most likely to move up this list next time we do it. So we're doing it like a year from now? or Yeah, either a year or two years from now. Okay. Maybe two years. Because it's kind of how much is it going to change in the next year? Right. Um, I would say, you know, a couple of those young guys we talked about, you know, yeah. Taylor Jenkins, Lloyd Pierce, uh, Borrego, Atkinson, like those those guys as their teams evolve probably have the best chance of moving I, up. I don't see how Bar- the Borrego's just not going to have enough talent to win enough games to me to where he can really significantly change his fate that's probably the unfortunate truth um jenkins maybe yeah steve kerr could 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 pop back up again if if the warriors you know get back to being awesome again and and maybe they do it in a little bit of a different way bud i mean bud could be number one next year that's true yeah yeah that's that's one of the biggest ones uh Malone has the possibility if Denver really does better in the playoffs this year. I was going to say Billy Donovan too. Vogel. Yep. Especially, especially for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're, you're exactly. killing the guy, man. Uh, well, and ex- also, uh, Kenny Atkinson. I mean, we're going to see he's going to have some talent yeah, next year. Yeah, exactly. They, so it's going to be a very different evaluation for him. Yeah. But if he does that successfully, I think we'll think a, a lot differently of him. Most likely to move down, also Bud. <laughs> uh, maybe. Uh, Popovich, if he's still coaching. Yeah. Curry, even you could say, too. Um, Brett Braun may not even be coaching anyone next year, so that, that, that would probably be moving down. Yeah, that's true. He's probably, of the people we have near the top, he's probably the most likely to not be coaching next year, so that's that's fair. Yeah. Um, we didn't talk about Steve Clifford hardly at all. Do you, we do you have any, anything to share about him? We, we can't give the magic. Oh, no, he's just like a good, here. solid coach. That's why we didn't talk yeah. about him, because there, were, yeah. there, there weren't a lot of highs and lows. I do think he probably comes pretty close to maxing out his team's defensively. Um, yeah. Definitely more defense-minded, but uh, it's become open enough, open-minded enough offensively, too. Like, he doesn't really have the players for it this year, but uh, de- definitely that's what changed from, like, his first year or two in Charlotte to where he is now. Yeah, I mean, to take this Orlando team with Nick Vucevic at center and make a quality defensive unit out of it, yeah, they have some other talent, but that is, uh, Vucevic is a lot better than he used to be. I think that he's he's a big part of that. Um, last question, hardest to rank for you? Hardest to rank, uh, who are the guys I tripped over? I mean, the younger guys with no body of work, I think was hard for sure. me. I thought um, Luke Walton was really hard for me. Um, and then I would say near the top, like... I had a hard time with Brett Brown. I had a hard time with Quinn Snyder. Just play within those top ten guys. Placing some of these guys, I thought was challenging. I had a hard time with Popovich too, honestly, because how much do yeah, you value? Me too. You know the body of work versus this year. 
Yeah, I mean, if I'm just projecting what he's going to do the next two, three years, uh, that's why I had him a little bit lower. But certainly it's sacrilege to, to have him that low. Snyder was another one for me, too, where I think just everything around him and watching him and everything that people say trends up. But, you know, the Jazz a little disappointing this year and you know he hasn't gotten out of the second round of the playoffs so it's hard to give a guy that much credit uh there when you just don't have that on the resume yeah um mike malone as as well nate McMillan. i mean the two guys who are very effective coaches but also probably ha- i have the most divergence with just for my own personal uh, <laughs> belief of what wins basketball games right, and what they're right. trying to do so how, how do i balance the the fact that objectively they've been very effective but yet they're not doing it in the way that like i would be doing it necessarily um okay well this is fun man do yeah. you uh and uh kenny atkinson rocketing up john's list <laughs> exactly exactly you you won me over so yeah well, well I, I moved casey up but yeah based on what you said too um all right so we will be back on sunday don't know what we're gonna do yet but uh hopefully we didn't uh upset too many people here we uh threw in a, enough caveats and uh please rate and review us as well tell a friend on twitter or just uh, in person subscribe to the podcast just search uh hollinger and duncan if this is your first time listening to this uh listen to us every week so we'll talk to y'all on sunday night till then at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.